Welcome to episode 13 of the AV Geeks Assemble podcast. I'm once again Andrew and I'm your host for this week. So in this episode we have another very special guest joining us to talk all things photography, aviation and cooking. So joining me to speak with our special guests this week are Tim. Hello. And Matt. Hi. How are we chaps? Are we all right? Very I'm good. all right. Very good, good. And all Tim, right. obviously your, uh, your debut on the uh, AV Geeks podcast. Welcome. Are you excited? Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That's all right. Are you excited for it? Or are you nervous? Or how are you feeling? Apprehensive. Apprehensive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know that. Um, so, uh, as always, we must emphasize again that our opinions are entirely our own. Uh, that does also go for any of our guests, either today or in any future episodes. Um, so now that's out of the way, it is time for our guests to join us on this flight. We're still not quite sure on the final destination, but we'll see where it goes. So we're honored today to have with us an RAF chef, defense trainer and BBMF PR team member, Peter Farrington. How are you today, Peter? Yeah, very good. Yourself? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. An absolute pleasure. Um, so before we um, continue, we're obviously getting into depth with what you do and things like that. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into aviation. Um, so <clears throat> I'm a skaty brat. <clears throat> was brought up in the Royal Air Force. My stepfather is uh, or was a member of the Royal Air Force for 35 years. So I pretty much grew up on uh, RF bases all, all my life. Um, We've been to Germany, RF Bruggen. I was there for six and a half years when the tornadoes went out to Kuwait the first time. Um, <clears throat> I waved them off. One of my school teachers, husbands, was one of the 14 squadron pilots at the time. Um, and then uh, been to Bry's and Marham and then back to Bry's um, as a kid. Uh, and, and then obviously joined up when I was 23 and I've been into the international air to or royal international air to do for years and years of course growing up with all these aircraft i was always very keen on photographing them and then really it's taken off from there no pun intended yeah yeah <laughs> so see um you, you joined the raf as a chef um so tell us about that a little bit about that role within the raf um uh, I'm, I'm sure we're all wondering where you've been deployed to keep our forces well fed um and also what's your favorite meal to prepare for them well uh as far as deployments goes uh we tend to go to the falklands quite a lot um hence why you've probably seen on my instagram quite a few pictures of penguins yeah um, <laughs> uh, as well as air aircraft um so yeah falkland islands uh iraq uh, in 2004 uh, Afghanistan in 2008 and 2009, Cyprus, I did two years in Cyprus um, between 2005 and 2007, um, yeah, as a, as a chef I've been to RF Coningsby, uh, RF Benson, RF Odium, RF St Morgan, uh, Bryce Norton, um, Cottesmore, um, so yeah, and I've been two weeks on Ark Royal with the Harrier Force when they were around. Um, so yeah, I've been around, I've been around a bit and seen some some good places. Um, as far as food wise goes, um, I think it's everyone's favourite is pasta. Yeah, <laughs> you've got to love pasta in the field. It, you know, all in one pasta dish, Lo loads of meat, loads of sauce, loads of cheese, keeps the troops going. It's a staple, isn't it? it? It doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. A bowl of pasta, maybe some cheese. It always <laughs> a treat, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Now, obviously, it, it sounds as though you've you've 
obviously moved around quite a lot. Is that something you've enjoyed in your time? Yeah, so when I joined the Royal Air Force, uh, when I was in Civvy Street as a chef, you tend to find that after a couple of years, you get bored of where you are and you need to move on and do something different. Um, and that's really what I joined the Air Force to do, is to move around and do things and, and, and be part of a bigger bigger machine, if you like. Um, I started for Cottesmore in a junior ranks mess cooking, you know, pie and chips and the good old uh, lasagna, cottage pie, all that stuff. Moved on then uh, in 2003 down to RAF St Morgan, where I joined one squadron as their chef uh, on, on the one squadron RAF regiment, who you've probably heard of out in Camp Bastion and obviously in Iraq, we lost a couple. Um, and I was taken out to Iraq as part of the squadron. Um, I was originally going to be going in the kitchen, but I'd done all the OPTAG training with them prior to going out and the decision was made to pull me out of the kitchen. I ended up being on the ground with the boys doing patrols and um, just helping out doing all that stuff. So it's uh, the old famous saying, I'm not just a chef. It, it sort of, that was my Steven Seagal moment. Yeah, yeah, blimey. Okay, that's a bit of a difference there, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, oh, and, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, and then in Cyprus, uh, sorry, in Cyprus, I managed to go out with the Red Arrows and fly with them while they were out there, which was quite an experience, um, one that I shall remember for the rest of my life. And luckily, I managed to keep my food down that day. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> wow, that is cool. Okay. Um, what, so what, was there an occasion behind that or was it like a, an incentive? Or was uh, it... So basically I'd cooked for the Reds, uh, done a couple of barbecues from while they were out on off Springhawk. They used yeah. to come to Cyprus for um, uh, six weeks of the year for their training. So you got to know the guys really well um, and it was their second year out that I'd been there. And I was doing barbecues for them and they were doing an air test of uh, two of the aircraft and two of us were selected to go up with them um, and sit in the back seat uh, and just went up as a pair and, and threw, them, threw them round, which was good fun. Outrageous. That yeah. is seriously cool. Would you say that's up there as one of your best experiences then? Yeah, it's got to be. It's better than any roller coaster ride I've ever been on. <laughs> it, was, it was superb. Just um, doing the loops and and um, uh, it's slower rolls than you would do normally. Yeah. It's not as big good as being with a whole team, but just going up and seeing the world upside down and stuff was really good. So yeah. Well, I mean, I guess there's not very many people in the world that can say they've been in that position, really, is it? No, no, we're quite lucky. Is it, it like? Is that something you expected? Like, obviously, you you've got your role in the RAF, and it's an important one. But with that being said, did you expect to be able to have that opportunity or was it a surprise that came out of nowhere, do you reckon? Um, no. Well, when you go to most camps, you get flight experiences. So, uh, you know, I've been lucky enough. I've been up in a VC-10, TriStar, C-17, Puma, Chinook. Oh, wow. um, I've flown in, in a lot of the, the platforms, which has been really good. And Voyager, obviously, I've flown in Voyager a few times. Yeah. I haven't done the Atlas yet. I've flown in the Herc a few times and done the ramp riding on the back with the ramp down. Oh, um, cool. And done that on the Chinook as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you know people, can't you? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really good because you know you turn up at a base and and you get the chance to to go out with the boys and get to experience what what you're working for really. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that's really cool. Um, also, we we mentioned that um, you're part of the BBMF PR team. Um, so, what does that involve? 
So that basically involves um, uh, when the team go out. Unfortunately, the last couple of years, we obviously haven't been able to do it. But a bit like with the Reds, you see the big tent when they go with the Blues all around. We, we're a volunteer team. Um, we come together and we basically we get given the list of air shows every year and we pick the ones that we can do. And we rock up with that tent and, and basically are there to be the face of the team. So we'll tell you when which aircraft are displaying on that day. Um, we'll talk about, you know, the history to some of the guys. They'll come up and try and catch us out. But we do an exam. <laughs> it's really weird because you actually, we actually do an exam every year on the history of the aircraft. So we know them um, because they had an experience where uh, one of the um, enthusiasts caught one of the guys out and he knew more about the aircraft than, than we did. So <laughs> they, they brought in this new system now that every year we have to pass this 30 question exam on random questions about about the um, the aircraft from you know uh, the woman on the back of the tail of AB nine ten yeah um, to the, the the fact that you know uh, seven fifty is the only airworthy Battle of Britain Spitfire so we we basically get a knowledge test uh, to make sure that we can hold our own with the public yeah. and we go out there we talk to the children hopefully inspire them to join the air force uh, and give everyone the you know what aircraft are coming, uh, when they're due, uh, and, and that sort of stuff. So with regards to that test, do you have to get 100% as well, or is there a pass rate? Uh, there is. We are expected to get at least 80% of the questions right. Oh, right. So it's quite, uh, but it's it's just, it's one of those um, tick boxes that you, if you get on the team, you should be proud to be on the team, and, and that's their way of checking that you have pride in what you're doing because you know a bit about the aircraft. Yeah, I mean, I've done probably that hangar tour probably six or seven times going through the back gate like you guys do. Um, I've also had the lucky enough opportunity to be on the other side of the red line and being able to get up close and personal to the aircraft. Yeah, um, But it is really good to know a little bit about them because the last thing you want to do when you're um, around aviation enthusiasts is just stand there going, well, actually, I don't know anything about what what we're displaying, but hey, yeah. I'm here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it must uh, be a bit of a sucker punch to the pride. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, so, uh, obviously, with that um, introduction um, out of the way, uh, we just got some housekeeping to attend to as well. Um, as we have mentioned previously, you can now see a video version of this podcast, lucky you, uh, on YouTube and Co-App Online. Uh, so for those of you who are not aware, Co-App Online is the Centre of Aviation Photography, and it's a one-stop shop for all types of aviation content and information to help you reach the next level with your aviation photography. And our podcast can be found in the Co-App TV section. We will link to Co-App Online below. Uh, obviously, an audio version of the podcast is also available if you don't want to be looking at us. Um, and that's available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So just search for AV Geeks Assemble. If there are any other platforms you would like us to join, please let us know through DM on Instagram or Facebook. We would also love it if you could share the podcast wherever you consume it with your friends and groups on social media, uh, especially if you think it's something that they'll enjoy. So let's get to the icebreaker. So uh, uh, in the spirit of getting to know you a little bit better, we're going to play a round of 20 questions to discover your favourite ever aircraft. So we're going to go around the group, uh, ask up to 20 questions with yes or no answers to try and guess what it is. Uh, if we get to question 20, we must guess. All right. So Tim, Matt, Peter, are you happy with that? Yep. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So 
What we'll do, we'll go in order of what's on my screen. So Tim, you'll go first um, and then I'll go next, which it seems as though my name on screen is still Alex Jones, my bad. Uh, and then we'll go from Matt. So if I just get a pen and paper just to make sure I know how many questions we're up to and we will get cracking. So are we happy with that? So uh, Peter, have you got your airframe in mind? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're going to do right. it for hours, guys. Yeah, unfortunately, our track record for this one isn't great, <laughs> but we'll see how we get on. So, Tim, do you want to take it away, mate? Okay. Uh, is it currently in use or service? It's in use, yeah. Oh, in use. Okay. Uh, with that being said, is it uh, in active service? No. No. Matt? Does it have two engines? Good question, actually. No, four. Okay, four engines. Tim? Is it a propped aircraft? No. Um, was it in service with the RAF? Yes. Is it a bomber aircraft? Yes. Was it part of the V-Force? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> was it the Vulcan? It was. It was indeed. Damn you. <laughs> we got that in five, six, seven. We got that in eight questions. I'll be honest with you, that was my favourite one we've ever done. Because usually we get to question 17, 18, and we're sat there going, I don't know. <laughs> oh, people choosing the most obscure Russian helicopters and, you know, test aircraft. So, to be fair, Peter, we really appreciate you choosing one like that. Yeah. So, obviously, with that being said, what, what um, made you choose the Vulcan, obviously, apart from the obvious? Um... I think it's my childhood memories of it. Um, I was out at RF Bruggen. It was a family's day, probably back in 19, probably back 1980, 87 or 88, I think it was. And I just remember uh, we'd been to the family's day the day before and we'd seen the displays and it was really good. And I was playing in the park and all of a sudden this almighty noise and this like it was almost like a shadow came over. the. I mean, I was only small then and, and the shadow just took over the whole round and it was the mighty Vulcan taking off. And it's, I just found it such a graceful aeroplane and and the fact that you could throw something that big around the way they threw it around. Yeah. And the other thing that, that, that there's a bit of a romance with it. Um, is the fact that it's only 11 years older than the Lancaster. First flight of the Lancaster to the first flight of the Vulcan, there was 11 years that split them. Um, and it's it's one of those things that you think, 11 years between the Lank and the Vulcan is just crazy. We went from being prop bomber to being this great big Delta wing that was like as agile as a fighter aircraft and could go as high as, uh, you know, nearly in space sometimes. I did not know that. That is, I did not know there was only 11 years. I, I literally, yeah. I did not know. No 
And to be honest, I'm not even going to question you either because you've probably had that on an exam paper. <laughs> well, it's one of the facts that I had to put into... Well, I'm doing a book at the moment about the BBMF and it's one of the facts that I put right. into the book. Okay. Oh, that's cool. I, I'm, I'm genuinely gobsmacked. I did not know. Like, I'm trying to comprehend because, like you say, between Lancaster to Vulcan... Yeah. 11 years, in a sense, especially in aviation, 11 years is not a long time. No, and, and you're talking, um, so obviously Avro did both aircraft. Yeah. Roy Chadwick, who designed the Lancaster, also designed the Vulcan, but he never got to see it fly. He died before it flew. Oh, wow. So, okay. um, yeah, but he was the man behind both aircraft. Wow. That's unbelievable. I tell you what, he learned something new every day, and that's, that's an interesting one to have learned. Yeah. That's amazing. Imagine it, though. It's like you've got... <clears throat> Lancaster and it, you know, great, brilliant. It's kind of set the standard. And then some guy comes along and goes, I've invented a jet engine. What can you do with that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hang on. I'll be back in 11 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it yeah, it's, it's really amazing. It's one of the facts when I was researching the book. Um, and uh, I, I knew that Chadwick could have designed both. I knew they were both Avro. And I thought, I've got to put that link in there somewhere. It's got to yeah. be in there because, um, you know, I, I think I'm gutted the Vulcan doesn't fly anymore. I'm gutted that we yeah. can't keep it as part of the BBMF because, you know, it was. And if you think about it in, in history, really, the Lancaster and the Vulcan were really, you know, they both saved us, uh, you know, down Falklands and in the Second World War with, you know, not only did the Lancaster do the bombing, but the Lancaster also did a lot of humanitarian work. Yeah. Uh, Manor, when it flew over the Netherlands and dropped humanitarian parcels over, along with the B-17, they had to do drops over uh, the Netherlands just before the ceasefire. And it took part in, um, which I didn't realise until I'd researched the book uh, and doing the research for, for the operations, was that Lancaster took part in the D-Day landings the day before the D-Day landings happened. It flew out there and dropped um, what they call um, like metal foil strips out to give to um, basically jam up all the radars so the Germans wouldn't know we were coming. Um, so, and, I, and yeah, the Lancasters went out the day before D-Day actually happened to do that. That's, again, that's amazing. Oh, I, I literally it. did not know that. Yeah. That's unreal. I'm, and is, is a lot of this stuff going to be in this book as well? Yeah, it's all, it's, all in the, it's all in the book, which I'm just waiting on OCBBMF hopefully doing a forward for it. And then, um, but the, the signs are all good. It's all been designed. The book cover's been done. Uh, it's just a case of him doing his bit and then hopefully getting it published. Well, I can assure you now, I can't speak for everyone else, but I will be getting a copy of said book. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. That's that's same. Same. Yeah. That, that, that picture there is in the book as well, that one that's behind me. So Fair enough. I, I don't believe you. Yeah, no, that's cool. And obviously, um, you know, we'll have to get AV Geeks Assemble behind it as well, mate, for sure, because that, that sounds amazing. Um, no, good luck with that. Hopefully it all goes well and all smoothly. So that's cool. Fingers crossed. Um, right. So obviously we've got a few questions for you. Um, so obviously a little bit of an interview stage as well, um, as if we haven't asked you enough questions already. Uh, so let's start with, <coughs> you want to start with your first question? Who's got, sorry. <laughs> just completely froze <laughs> tell you what's amazing there hopefully we're going to end the year with like a blooper reel and on your first one you've just created a gem <laughs> just like <laughs> 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 
Tim, do you want to ask your first question? Yeah, sure. Um, so, Peter, you're currently on your second tour as a defence trainer. Uh, can you give us an idea of what that actually involves? Yeah, so my first tour as a defence trainer was at Recruit Training Squadron. So I was that drill corporal with the stick under my arm, getting them out of bed in the morning, <laughs> um, showing them how to iron shirts, how to, you know, organise their lives um, and get them through their 10 weeks to graduate as airmen. So that was what I did for three years at Recruit Training Squadron. Um, I've now come back as a defence trainer here at Bryce and basically I deliver, um, I now train the trainers. So I deliver uh, defence trainer um, courses um, to, to get people up to standard, to be able to train uh, people. And it also gives them a level three in education and uh, qualification in Civvy Street as well. Um, we deliver um, professional military development courses to develop the young, uh, young men and women of the Royal Air Force and get them ready for their promotion courses. And that gives them like a level two in leadership and management and ILM qualification. Um, we deliver um, defence workplace trainer, which gives people the basic skills to, to, to go on and deliver uh, bespoke training for their sections. Uh, and we also deliver what I'm doing tomorrow, which is presentation skills. So uh, giving people the tools um, and the resources to be able to go and deliver presentations and, and get confidence, really. Um, my goal is, uh, you know, I've always been an underdog in everything I've done. So I always fight for the underdog. So I'm always really keen. If I get someone that doesn't think they can achieve it, I'll push and go the extra mile to help them achieve what they, you know, what they want to achieve. Yep. Because, uh, you know, as my granddad always used to tell me, you can achieve anything you want it to achieve. And, and it's proven by me being where I am now. When I was at school, I was told I'd be a good uh, window cleaner or, or dustbinman. They, they said you wouldn't I wouldn't be a good chef because I couldn't speak French and my maths wasn't great yeah. and that's what they said I'd be capable of and now look where I am so you know nice yeah no that's fair enough Absolutely. sorry Tim I thought you were about to say something yeah. I, 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 I've kind of sort of reminiscing in the like in the whole uh, like um, the careers thing at yeah. school you know feeling what you want to be and then get told what you're not going to be, um, you know, and it's not going to be the thing that you wanted to be. Uh, I wanted to be a pilot. I got told I was too tall. When I got the helmet on, they wouldn't be able to shut the canopy. Uh, so then I changed my mind. I wanted to be a doctor. I got told I was too stupid for that. And they said, you like cooking? Go and be a chef. And I was like, oh, yeah. Off what I went. So, and there it is, yeah. The rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I mean, I don't think that, as harsh as that nowadays but it's still said to sort of are oh, maybe you should look elsewhere and things like that but it is nice like you say there are some people like yourself that it sounds as though when you're told you can't do something you want to do it even more oh yeah. absolutely i mean you know. when i like when i did decide no i want to go and be a chef i want to go and do that yeah um i was very lucky that i from a very early stage in my career i had quite supportive people around me um I worked in some interesting places. I'll say that. <laughs> you you and me both. As I'd say, yeah, I bet you two could share um, stories for hours. And the industry has changed. Yeah. To um, you don't get pants thrown at you as much now. No. <laughs> it sounds as though, Tim, you're the one doing the throwing, though, aren't you? 
Not anymore. No, I'm, mellow. I'm totally mellowed out now. Um, no, all right. I, I, I set my goals as to what I wanted to achieve. And I think by my sort of like late 20s, I'd achieved it. Yeah. And then looked at what it cost me to get there. And I said, well, maybe that wasn't 100% worth it. You know, I've got the satisfaction of being able to say I've achieved what I wanted to achieve. Yeah. You know, I've got to where I've got, done that, etc. It's the whole sort of been there, done that, got the T-shirt, what's yeah. next? Um, yeah, yeah. And now yeah. I think I get as much enjoyment, like we've had an apprentice start um, this year since we've come back from the last lockdown, we've had an apprentice start. Um, and the, the total blank canvas that we inherited of him to where he is now, uh, sort of three months later, um, like yesterday was an absolutely bonkers day at work. And there's this kid just sort of like just scuttling around and just, you know, just on it. And you just sort of think, well, three months ago, you could barely chop an onion. Yeah. <laughs> be flying, you know, absolutely going. And at the end of the night, you know, sort of said to him, how was your day? <laughs> He's like, oh, I loved it. It was brilliant. You know, and he was absolutely buzzing. Um, I briefly saw him this morning and he was on the massive come down <laughs> from the day before. I was like, yeah, now you've got to motivate yourself to go and do it again. And yeah. again. And again. Yeah. And again. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah. Peter, I see you've you've been nodding a lot there. I'm guessing these are things you can definitely relate to in the. Well, um... I I cut my teeth in London, so um, I I started working in a Michelin star restaurant from straight out of college and um, worked for Gary Rhodes for two years. Oh, what? Um, oh yeah, he was mine at school as well, and he came to a careers fair in Cheltenham, and I was asked by the college to go and do a load of. Um, tomato roses, apple yeah. swans, all the all the really Gucci stuff from the nineteen early nineteen nineties. <laughs> and um, he came round, and my dad had made a joke in the car about you know, oh, <laughs> I bet you ain't going to speak to him. Well, that's just a red flag to a ball to me because yeah, when exactly. someone <laughs> says, oh, I'm going to go and do it. Yeah. So literally, he comes round after doing the spiel at the the the, the start of the, the seminar, as it were. And I'm there doing these things with a great big tall hat on it. I've got a picture somewhere, which I can dig out for you. Um, and he comes up and he's, how's it going, chefs? And I'm like, oh, yeah, all good, chef. Yeah, could you sign my book? Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, <clears throat> and then I said to him, I said, oh, could I come down for a day's work experience? Yeah, yeah, no worries. Give me a paper. I'll write the number down. And I got home and I said to my mum, I said, I'm going to go to Gary Rhodes. I'm going to go and work with him for the day. So off I went. Uh, the week later, I booked to go down there. Um, and I got my suit on, took my record of achievement under my arm. And off I went Wait. thinking, hey, hey. Um, yeah. And I worked in the kitchen for a day. And he was on the pass and, and the guys were working hard. And Wayne Tapsfield was a sous chef. It was a greenhouse in, in Mayfair, which was an amazing restaurant. And this is before he got his mission start. And then he came to me and he said, uh, we got to the end of the day or the end of the lunch service. And uh, the boys were like, let's go for a coffee. Um, and they used to go for a coffee in a, a little Italian uh, cafe behind the Mirabelle. Um, so it used to be like Gary's boys meeting up with Marco's boys, Marco. meeting up with Christoph Novelli's boys. And we all met in the same cafe for, 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 for like coffee in between uh, lunch and dinner. Anyway, the uh, the chef said, oh, Pete, can I just have a quick word with you before you go off with the boys? Yeah, no worries, chef. So I went in his office and he said, uh, I don't need an answer right now, but how would you like to come and work for me? Yes. 
uh, and <laughs> I went home on the train uh, from London Paddington back to to, uh, to Kemble. My mum picked me up, and I said to her, "I said uh, I, I'm leaving home in two weeks." And she, "What? <laughs> you're 16. Do you realise what you're saying?" I, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm moving to London in two weeks. Where are you going to live? Well, I haven't thought about that one yet. I'll work. <laughs> I'm going to work for Gary Rose. And they couldn't believe. They thought I was taking a Mickey. Yeah. I had to phone him up and say. Chef, could you actually tell my mum you've offered me a job? Yeah. <laughs> he spoke to my mum said, yeah, he's coming down to work for me. And then I went and worked for him for two years. And an amazing two years, God rest his soul, you know, an amazing chef. Uh, he was exactly what you saw on telly was what you got in the kit restaurant. You know, he was caring. He wanted to show you. I was 16. I was young. He, he didn't need to take me on at all. Yeah. Um, but he did. Um, and, you know, I... I it was an amazing time. And, I, you know, from that, I went to work for Jaguar Formula One and did um, oh. some time with them as well. Um, yeah, so I've, I've had some great times in, in the kitchens as well, outside the RAF. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. That no, that's well. awesome. Um, yeah, cool. Nice one. Uh, Matt, did you have a question? Uh, yeah, I did indeed. Uh, my question is, what is your favourite moment from photography point of view during your time in the RAF? Uh, that's a good one. I think it has to be down the Falklands. Um, not the tour that I've just done, but the tour before. Um, we went up in the Herc. You probably saw some of the pictures yesterday. Um, <laughs> and uh, the, the lads were like, oh, we'll go up. We'll go up. We're going to do some. We're going to hook on to Voyager because we're having problems with the with the drag hose. It's not connecting to the, the front of the Herc's refueling probe. So we've got to go up and do some tests. So at the time I was working at in-flight, and the boy said, do you want to come with us? And I was like, yeah, yeah, let me just grab my stuff, and off I went. Anyway, we, we, we started off by doing some low-level stuff through the valley. Well, I say valleys, between the mountains, uh, with the ramp down, um, just swinging through. And then uh, we climbed um, to meet Voyager, took off after us. So we were sort of flying around, waiting for Voyager to get airborne. Uh, the Voyager that's out there got airborne. It radioed to us to say that it was in, in the circuit, ready for us to, to go and get fuel. Uh, and we went up there and hooked on a few times, got some fuel, and then um, descended. Now, the boys had said to me that the chances of seeing the typhoons were, were probably slim because they were off doing a sortie somewhere. And then suddenly the air loadie comes up to me, taps me on the shoulder and says, come with me. And I went down the back. He said, oh, you'll need to put your harness on. Have you got your camera? I went, yeah. So cool. So I was there expecting to go down to the ramp to take some pictures out of the ramp and he opened the parador and there next to us were the two typhoons flying side by side with us. Um, oh two typhoons just flying. And then the pilot was telling them um, uh, typhoon one split off. So I've got some pictures of the jets doing splits and coming back and then, yeah, and then some video footage of it. So it's pretty awesome. I mean, that is, you know, photography wise, that's just, I didn't cost me a penny. I did. That was free, which, <laughs> which is why people really got off me very quickly. Yeah. Oh blimey. Okay. I mean, that's that's the sort of experience that we can only dream of. So, I yeah. really hate jealousy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Like we saw, we have seen a couple of the pictures. Um, yeah. That one of Voyager. That was uh, so. The one of Voyager. That was when we were flying. They were starting to descend, and they pulled away from us into the clouds. Um, and then the the one of us hooking up with Voyager. I mean, you don't realise how big Voyager is until you're right behind it and you're <laughs> right underneath it. 
It's like, uh, right, what happens if we suddenly hit an air pocket or something, or they do? Just uh, about we move pretty fast. Just a little bit nerve-wracking, sitting there going, we could go like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what I'll do is on the on the, I'll try and play some of the video for you because uh, you don't get a, you don't get a true sense of it on the on the actual um, picture. But when you see, see the video and you see the basket doing that. <laughs> and how amazing the pilots are to actually get this probe into this basket and it's doing this in front of the window. Well, yeah, um, it's the amazing. It looks When you see videos of them doing it, you just see this little transition and in it goes, lovely job. And you look at it, you think that looks doable, did it? But I guess when first you're there... They do it first time, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. always. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we go. No, well, they don't. They're the ones, they're the pictures you see. They don't do it first, I trust me. The, the thing was, uh, as well, two big aircraft flying close together, obviously you've got a bit more of the turbulence and the wake. So um, the, 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 the typhoons and the tornadoes tended to not have as much. But with the, the herc, it gets quite bumpy because you, you're sitting behind this big thing and you are not a small thing either. Yeah, yeah. Oh, blimey, that's cool. Um, so question for myself. So obviously we all love the BBMF. There's no two ways about it. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what it means to you to be part of that team that promotes the amazing part of the RAF and the, the heritage that it does preserve? I think it's just, it's a living museum. Yeah. And that's what makes it special. It's, you know, it's an amazing um, collection of aircraft under one roof. They've all got their own individual history. And, and that's what I'm bringing out with my book. I'm bringing out all the history of the aircraft rather than talking about the pilots. I'm talking about, don't get me wrong, they were amazing as well. But yeah. I, I haven't seen a book that talks about each of the aircraft's history. Like, yeah. for instance, one of, our chin, uh, one of our chipmunks took part in the Cold War and was doing um, uh, spy missions, photo photographic missions. Um, but I didn't know about that until I started researching it. Yeah. I didn't realise that AB910 had belly flopped three times in her career either. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the woman flying on the tail. I don't know if you've heard that story of you. No. So AB910, the stripy one you can see there. Yeah. I um, can't remember the exact date. It's in the book anyway. Um, they, 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 were, they were taking off on this airfield and there was some poor weather. So in the old days, they used to sit on the tail, stop the tail lifting. And they were taxiing on and it was Flight Lieutenant, I think it was Neil Fox, Flight Lieutenant Neil Fox. So he taxied round onto the airfield he didn't look in his mirror and he just put it in full throttle and went. Meanwhile, there's this waff, Margaret, I can't remember her surname, and she's hanging on for dear life. He gets <laughs> airborne. Now, he only realises that she's on the back when he's trying to turn his rudder and he's thinking, this is really stiff, what's going on? He looks in the mirror and there's this waff clinging onto the tail for dear life. <laughs> oh, God. So he swings it around and comes in and lands. And that's just one of the amazing stories of the aircraft just you know just when you look at ab910 flying around and she looks so glor glorious in the color yeah but just to think that happened she was involved in the d-day landings because she was one of the escort aircraft okay. um she has kills to her name she's not just you know our spitfires have seen action yeah that's, that's the great thing about them yeah um and i mean who can't admire the lancaster just standing underneath the the, the huge engines and and when it's all stripped back and you see it in the hangar and it's like, I just think, you know, because most of my grandparents are in the Air Force. They both uh, fought in the Second World War. Um, and 
I just, uh, it's one of those things, I have a Top Gun moment whenever I'm in that hangar. It's, mm. I see those aircraft and I just think, and I hear them fire up and I, mm. I, I could sit there for hours on end just watching them fly around. You know, it's great seeing the jets, don't get me wrong, and, and I do like the fast jets and I, I do like the reds and all the rest of it, but of all the things we've got that talk about um, our values, our ethos, uh, what we stand for, it's those aircraft. Yeah. You think about it, you know, the Spitfire, British, Hurricane, British, Lancaster, British, you know, all British technology, British engineering, when it was, when it was at its finest. Um, and they're just so graceful when they're flying around. Yeah. Um, you know, in the summer's evening, you sat there with a the barbecue going, I'm lucky enough, my house is literally um, not far, well, they come in over the top of my house as they come over. Um, to do the hangar pass so they're always going really fast and really low when they come over my house oh. to do the hangar pass so Lucky I see it quite often no oh. when I'm not a bride obviously yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> when I'm back home that's awesome uh, Tim you had another question mate so Peter can you just explain what are the pros and cons of being a chef in the RAF as well I think one of the, the biggest pluses this is job security and at the moment uh, hospitality's, uh, yeah. yeah, been a bit of a, a job security issue, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's in a rush. COVID and everything right. else. Um, the variety. So whereas in chef job, you know yourself, Tim, you, you move around a lot. And um, it means quitting your job and going to another job. Whereas in the RAF, we get to move around because, you know, every three years we'd move around anyway, unless you specifically say you don't want to. Okay. So you get to see different teams, uh, you get to work in some, I mean, cooking in the Falklands, uh, cooking in Cyprus, Iraq, Afghanistan, you know, all those places in different environments, you know, cooking um, on, in a big kitchen, but then also in, in Afghanistan, in, you know, Kachaki Dam, cooking with a, a pot boiling, um, basically bag rats, uh, boiling Russian packs for the boys yeah. when they're coming off patrol. And um, I you get... When someone says, oh, army chef or, you know, chef in the RAF or whatever, I, I automatically have this sort of, like, picture of, like, a pop-up gazebo, if you like, and, like, a tiny little chopping board, and you've got sort of, like, 2,000 meals to prep, and you're like, yeah, no worries. <laughs> yeah, well, we did, uh, we did something like that for the Olympic, to be fair. I mean, we were feeding out of Hainal Forest, and we did a – it was a 5,000-man kitchen. Mm. And there was a team of, uh, I think there was a team in each kitchen. We had two 5,000-man kitchens side by side, both delivered the same output. So we were feeding 10,000 people mm. four meals a day, which is quite good going, uh, long shifts, long hours during the Olympics. Um, but we did get to see some of the Olympics um, because we were doing it. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it's um, it, it's a different environment. You know, you're cooking in this tent with all these ovens. I mean, in Afghan, doing that in the height of summer, you certainly feel the heat and and you know it um yeah. and of course cooking stuff is not it's it's not you're not cooking on gas you're cooking on diesel that's what the the, the <laughs> it we use it's diesel um or it or it will run on after aviation fuel it will run on aviation fuel as well um so yeah we we, we uh we've got some pretty decent kit and it's pretty awesome to work with in the field so it's not i mean cooking in the field's good fun yeah. Um, everyone's in the same boat so you, you're all either grumpy or, or laughing about it it's, it's one of the ways you know and Christmas dinner in Afghan was an absolute scream 
<laughs> um, I was at Camp Bastion 2 and we had the American Marines rock up and we were given, before Christmas, we had a load of American Marines given to us and we're like, yeah, they're not chefs, but you need to train them for this four months uh, while you're here because they're going to be here for six months. And we had some right fun with them because they were really <laughs> good. But the good thing with the Americans working with us, we were getting all their rations. So we were getting spider oh. crab. We were getting king lob. We were getting lobster. We were getting steaks. It was, it was fantastic food. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's probably one of the pros. Uh, one of the cons, I guess, could be, you know, it can be hard going away. Uh, the Falkland Islands, uh, lovely place. Uh, internet is slower than dial-up. <laughs> I can remember what dial-up was like. I do, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it will take you three days to download a 10-track album in the Falklands because wow. the inter- they, you know, going to the Falklands is really, you step back in time. Really, it, yeah. Still in 1982, a lot of it. It's, it looks and feels like, you, you know, you go into the pub and the globe is still the same as it was when the Paras were in there in 1982, uh, when they when they had their victory uh, parade and stuff out there. Um, and a lot of the veterans that took part in that battle are living out there now, you know, and the Falklands is a long way away from home when the when the internet's not working, yeah. or, you know, um, and I suppose things like Afghan and Iraq, you know, when you're on the phone to your mum and you get a rocket attack, suddenly the phone cuts out and you, you know, I can remember in Afghan, we had a period where we'd lost quite a lot of people and, and they they basically cut the phones when someone gets killed out there because obviously they want to let families know as soon as possible mm-hmm. without anyone else telling them. Um, so they cut all forms of communication, but you know, you can't sort of say, oh, by the way, I'm going off the phone because that's happened. Yeah. It just suddenly goes. And so sometimes communication with back home can be hard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess you could class that as a, as a downside really, but. You, you, you learn to live with it because you're all in the same boat. You all get together and you just make it, you make it fun. Uh, and that's what you, what you have to do. I guess yeah. you've got to take the bad with the good as well anyway, haven't you, regardless of what you're doing? Yeah, well, you know, in Afghanistan, there was nowhere else to go. We were behind the wire. There was no, you know, there was no drinking. It was uh, a dry tour. The, you know, you did have bad days uh, when we had a lot of casualties or when we had a lot of people uh, being killed. Uh, we saw them off with respect, the sunset parade over there, and, and, and it was all done very dignified. Um, and you just have to get on with it because yeah. we're out there and we're doing something and we've got to just make make the best of it. And I guess it, uh, it doesn't matter what trade you do out there, you know, whether you're a chef, a medic, uh, uh, you know, a physical education instructor, whatever job you do out there, you, you're part of that team. When it all goes wrong, you all feel it um, yeah. because... You know, you, you, you've known them somewhere along the line. You've fed them across the servery. So, yeah, you were all, you were all in the same boat, mm. I guess. Okay. No, interesting. Very interesting. Um, Matt, you had another question, mate? Uh, I did, yeah. Um, what's it like to work for the RF and how has it, how has it changed since you joined? Um, so, working for the RF is an amazing job. Um, it, it is more than a job. It is a life. Um, you get to see some amazing things. You get to do some amazing things. You know, I've, I've flown in loads of different platforms, which has been amazing. Um, I've been up close and personal to aircraft that people would love to touch and get nowhere near. Yeah. Um, you get to go to things like Riyadh and, you know, you get to go and see the bits that the public don't see and, and stuff like that. It's changed a lot from when I joined up. Uh, 
you know, training when I joined up, uh, it, it was it was different to what it is now. Um, uh, and it's, I guess it's changed in the camaraderie. So the blocks, when I joined up, you never shut your door. Your door was always open. People would come and go, come and go. Um, and now it's 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 a different culture because they, they all like to just um, play on the Playstations or whatever like that. But, I mean, there's still a few of us around that, that are old sweats and we'll, we'll get together and, and have beer calls and go out and enjoy ourselves and, you know, work hard, play hard. That's, that's the motto. That's what we do. Matt, I hope you're taking oh, yeah. notes, by the way, mate. Yeah, mental notes, indeed. There you go, that's it. That's, that's a good answer. <laughs> to be fair, even I was tempted to go and sign up just then, but I'm too old now. <laughs> it is, honestly. I mean, the, the pay's really good, the pension's good. You get your medical dental, you get a gymnasium. I mean, at Bryce, we've got a swimming pool, we've got a bowling alley. We've got, a, you know, one of the biggest gyms. We've got huge football pitches, huge rugby pitches. I've gone um, to Bavaria uh, on tra- uh, on adventure training. I've gone to France skiing. I've gone to Austria skiing. I've gone to Malta twice uh, with the RAF doing various uh, trips. I mean, Malta, we did a marathon. That was the only thing we had to do was do a marathon. But we got to see all the war rooms and we got to see the, the you know, learn about the, uh, the convoys and about the fact that we've flown um, Spitfires out there. Uh, we've taken them out on an aircraft carrier and, and they did part of the, uh, Second World War, and again, that was a really interesting thing to find out about all that. Um, you know, there's so much history uh, behind the old aircraft yeah. that you just don't know, and you just, you find out so many different things, um, and it's really good. And even in the Falklands, you know, you can still stand in the crater that um, uh, 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 Captain Withers left behind him when he flew over. Because um, the line of craters is still there. Obviously, the, the runway's been repaired, but where the where the bombs hit, there's still craters there, so you can still go up and stand in them. So it's quite cool. That's uh, pretty awesome. So I mean, this I've got a couple of questions, but the first one is going off of what has just been said. So if anyone's listening, I know we've asked the questions before to the likes of um, Flight Lieutenant Jim Petersons and things like that, where you know, what would you say to aspiring people joining the RF? But if there's someone that's not sure, if they don't know, if they're a bit unsure, maybe a bit nervous of joining the RAF, what what would your initial advice be to that? If they want to, but they don't feel like they're, you know, they don't feel like they're able, what would you say to someone like that? Um, everyone's able to do it. There is nothing stopping anybody being able to be a member of the Royal Air Force. Uh, there are so many trades there. You know, uh, it is a really worthwhile job. You can really get a lot out of it. it you get in what you put what you put in. Um, you can go skiing twice. A year. You know, you can join the ski championships and go every year. You can become a uh, you know Olympian. Uh, you just have to look at some of the guys. You, you know, we we've got people that have done Olympic teams, sort of like from the RAF. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know. Uh, and you get to meet some amazing people. You get to go and do, I mean, just going to the Falklands. I mean, I know we laugh about penguins, but you know what? The penguins, you pay a lot of money to go and see that in Civvy Street. We yeah. get paid to go and do that. Yeah, yeah. And then when we get down there, we get flown to the islands for a few hours to go and see these penguins in the wild with no one touching them. You yeah. get to see orca killer whales, southern humpbacks. You get to see dolphins swimming in the surf. 
you get to um you know you get to go to a place that's got battlefield history and walk where those people walked you walk over the mount mount harriet mount tumbledown and you get to see all the memorials and, and where they perished and where where we you know where we had our last real real um um gutsy uh war battle because the ground out there is it's it's i mean i've done the yomp where you put the stuff on your back and you do the hills and it's it's, it's hard working the kit we wearing now yeah. the kit they had back then was nowhere near as good as the boots we've got now and the waterproofs we've got now yeah so it just gives you that chance to experience things you'll never experience in Sydney street yeah. um you know the chance to go and fly in a c17 as a civvy you ain't going to do it unless yeah. we're repatriating you from somewhere that's flooding or, or a natural disaster you know get to go and lie underneath a fire engine in the back of a c17 when it's flying out from afghanistan or you know sit i i came back on my r and r from afghan and we had 12 casualties in the back of this c17 it was a hospital just amazing to see how they can adapt something to to make it work and get us back um and yeah i mean the opportunities are endless there are so many things you can do there's so many opportunities you can go racing driving you can go motorbike uh, racing because we've got team loads of sports teams um that people can get into the they've got football teams every station's got a football team the RAF have got a football team every station's got a rugby team the RAF have got a rugby team that play the army and the navy sometimes they'll play saracens and you know things like that mm. so the, the opportunities are endless and if you've got any doubt in your mind i just say go for it because you'll spend years regretting stuff but if you go and jump into it you know what you can always say it's not for me yeah but you won't know until you do it and you don't want to live life regretting i've not regret i've not regretted it i've 20 years on the 28th of august i've been in i've got two years left to do and i've loved every minute of my 20 years so yeah yeah no that's Thank awesome you. yeah no that's that's an awesome answer um it does lead me on to my final question um so obviously you said two years left yeah. Um, what do you think is on the books after that then? Have you have you got anything in mind? Are you have you got any plans or well um I want to do my photography, I want that to be like a sideline if possible, and I want to do education and training, um uh, going in and giving back, I guess not not into maybe main school teaching, but maybe go to like consultancy training, going in and being able to motivate people and give people the option opportunity to to achieve their dreams and, and be that person that can go in there and and turn them around you know for, for for the people that haven't got the opportunities that maybe some people have or haven't got the background that some people have and just be that sort of person that can sort of help like I did in recruit training you know we had lots of different people coming through people that would like I'm, I'm giving up and you'd be like right okay well why do you want to give up well this is okay well that's fine but hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And then, you know, 10 weeks later, they're graduating and they haven't given up because yeah. you've given them a different steer. You've you've shown them a different way to get their head around it. And yeah, for 10 weeks, it's it's hard. You miss mm. home. But you know what? It's 10 weeks of your life. It's, it's, not, it's not what the Air Force is. When you get out the other side of it, that's what the Air Force is. Yeah. And um, the training is just to get you into the mindset and, and get you disciplined to be able to do the job when the going gets tough, uh, you know, and yeah, sometimes it does get tough, but I would say I've had more good times than I've had bad. 
Yeah. No, that's awesome. No, great stuff. No, cheers for that. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a really interesting insight into things like that. So thank you. We do appreciate it. Um, with that being said, Peter, have you got any questions for us? Uh, how can I take better pictures of aeroplanes? <laughs> 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 we've seen some of your pictures, so I'm not sure if uh, that's that's we need advice but... off you on that one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I see some of your pictures, it's it's uh, you, the stuff you put up, uh, yeah, that there is definitely um, some of the guys that you've got that do uh, some amazing stuff. I'm just lucky, uh, I'm in the right place at the right time. Uh, I upset Liam a few times because I'm the other side of the fence when he's trying to get his camera through the, and I'm sat at the officer's mess on the other side of the fence waving at him. He gets a little bit upset. After hearing that, I think you've become one of our favourite ever guests on here, to be fair, because who's going to be proving <laughs> about that? That's funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, it's... it's... <laughs> It's one of those, everyone everyone that I've spoken to and that's in the group, everyone's got their different ways of getting these pictures. Like, you can ask the three of us here now, and we'll tell you different things. Do you know what I mean? I think it's very dependent on your gear. It depends on, you know, like you say, right place, right time, for example. Unfortunately, yeah. with where I live, it's not the right place at any time <laughs> because the <laughs> most I have fly over me each day is a seagull and a pigeon. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's pretty <laughs> much it. Um, Matt, you get lucky with occasional F-15s and typhoons, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I live under the Litchfield corridor, so we get a bit of traffic here and then. But yeah, Tim, all right. you're you're fairly near Lakenheath, am I right? Yeah, I'm only just over an hour's way from Lakenheath and Mildenhall. Um, I suppose you could probably bolt Marham on there, but I haven't done Marham yet. But um, but also we're on, like I'm right on the coast, so if if they're doing um, like if they're flying out, you sort of like think, well, hang on, that's not an airliner. What's that? <laughs> and then you're frantically sort of going, where's the camera? Where's the camera? Where's the camera? Yeah. Go on. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, only an hour or so away from Lake and Heath and Mildenhall. So it's like day off if there's nothing planned. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's the probably the best one for me. I'll, I'll try and get down to Shawbury as often as possible. It's not too bad. It's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, See, that's the thing. So I've only been to Lakenheath at Mildenhall once, and that was in April. Oh. Yeah, and that was. It you took me. Know. So it took me an hour and hour and a half by train to get to Ben's, and then we woke up at half three in the morning to get in the car with a detour to pick someone else up. It took us. What was it? We were on the right. I, I well, we left at about four a.m. and we got to Lake and Heath at eight, half eight, I think it was. I was say, you you kind of got there just in time for the first launches, didn't you? Yes, yeah, literally. Um, so for me personally, it's a little bit more than an hour away. Um, I'm based down in Devon, so there's not very many places nearby. So I have to take my opportunities where I can. For example, as far as I'm aware, Sidmouth Air Show still hasn't been cancelled, and that's at the end of this month. Um, yeah. I'm very hopeful it's not being cancelled, nor will it before then, because Sidmouth is yeah. 15, 20 minutes away from me. Um, yeah. And apparently you've got the Red Arrows and a couple yeah. of possibly BBMF things flying as well, from what I've heard. Yeah, well, they, they've done the ground tests on the Lank now, pretty much. So I think she's due to come home in the next week or so. They've just got to air test her, so she should be back. Um, 
And as far as I'm aware, the boys are going to try and get, I mean, they've been doing, obviously the Dakota has been going out a lot. Yeah. Um, but they probably will need to do some currency on the Lank, but I'm pretty sure they, they are looking to try and get her to some of the later air shows. I know that was the, the hope when she went in for a, a winter maintenance uh, was yeah. to get her back to do towards the end. Okay. Um, and uh, I know they've done successful ground runs now. Uh, as far as I'm aware, they should be doing the air test this week at uh, Duxford and then she'll be back at Collinsby. I'm hoping, because I'm going home on Wednesday, so I'm hoping that she'll, you know, what I'm hoping for is that old Sainty will be up in the sky doing doing in the nice uh, coloured jet, doing some cycling practice. Yeah. I want the Reds to fly over if they can, and then maybe the Lang to come home. That would yeah. be perfect, it? Well, birthday week, that would be. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we've got Families Day down here in September, but I don't know if we've got any of the... I know we've got some static aircraft down here for that, but whether we're going to see any of the, the boys coming down. But hopefully we will, and I'll get some pictures for you guys. But Yeah, no, awesome. Yeah, because then I think I've got, hopefully, again, it's uh, Bournemouth Air Show the week after that. Yes, no, that should be good this year. That should be really good. I've never been to Bournemouth, but I, I'm not that far away from it, so I might take a trip. Yeah, it's it's one of the closer ones to me. Again, it's 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 still a distance away. Um, but in actual fact, that was the last air show I've been to was Bournemouth 2019 before this madness kicked off. So obviously I went to that. That was amazing because you had the um, the Saab there, the Draken, uh, the Typhoon display, obviously when Jim Peterson's, as we know, was displaying things like that. And it was epic, epic. And it was my last air show of the year. And I was like, you know what? Roll on 2020. Here we go. React, all of that. Obviously, January, February came along and that was that. But And I've not been to an air show since, obviously, as many people have. Bournemouth, is Bournemouth quite an easy one to go to or have you got a book in advance or I've never been no, to? No, no, it's the, the only thing I found, which I actually preempted anyway, was actually the traffic getting into Bournemouth. So what I did, because of where I live, I drove to Dorchester train station and then just got yeah. the train in from Dorchester to Bournemouth. So I sort of cut out that middleman part. Yeah. Um, but actually getting a spot on the seafront or to be fair, because I think there's there's almost like two levels. So you've got the seafront and then you've almost got like a cliffside as well, where yeah. a lot of people get their pictures from. I'm very much the sort of person that even if my feet are in the sea, I want to get as close to the aircraft as possible. <laughs> yeah. um, but I can't imagine you get bad shots from up on the because obviously you're, you're probably a little bit more in line with the aircraft just as long as you got a big enough zoom you should be all right yeah but, i think they get quite good ones of the the synchro don't they because obviously yes. you get the actual the the, the front on of it uh, that's it yeah that. but no it, it was good and i'm looking forward to it this year as well um because yeah. like i say I've, I've not been to an air show since uh end of august 2019 so um yeah, fingers crossed. I might, I might have to take a trip up to Scampton next week when I'm up at uh, when I'm up home. I might because Scampton's only forty five minutes away for for me from there. Yeah, uh, well, I'm lucky. Connings be on the doorstep, and then Scampton's just down the road. Yeah, nice, nice. All right, uh, for some. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, have you got any other questions for us at all? No, no, that's it. Thanks. No, you're happy with that. Um, yeah. Tim, Matt, have you got any other questions at all? I do not. Um, no, you guys all happy. Okay, no worries. Well, that just about gets us back to base after another flight. Peter, we hope you enjoyed it and there wasn't too much turbulence. So what we'll do, uh, we'll go around the group so you can find us all on social media. Um, so obviously we'll go by what's on my screen. Tim, do you want to give us your, uh, like whether you're on Facebook, Instagram and whatever handles you've got? 
Uh, I'm mostly just uh, on Instagram now, uh, just R to B photos or R Toby photos or Bob photos or whatever they, whatever people call me, but it's R to B photos. Um, yeah, just on Instagram. So. Ideal. Um, Matt, yourself? So people can find me on Instagram as Matt underscore Bright underscore Aviation, and that is the same for Facebook as well. Nice one. And then obviously our guest for this evening, Peter, what um are you on any webs any uh socials or anything? Peter, you have yeah, so I've got I've got uh my uh photo page on Facebook, which is uh, Peter Farrington Photography. I've got my uh, uh Instagram which is PC Farrington, and then I have got a website at the moment it's being worked on, uh, but that's uh Peter Farrington Photography.co.uk. Um it's gonna be epic when it comes back online. Uh, it's gonna have loads of different gucci stuff on it fine art prints so it's going to be really good but i'm just hopefully it's all going to be done around the same time as a book release which if it's not going to be september it definitely will be for the november armistice day uh, book release so it's going to be hardback it's going to be a4 and it's going to be lovely glossy pictures and yeah hopefully everyone will love it awesome okay awesome. nice one cheers um as for myself obviously instagram and facebook afterburner aviation um but yes so thank you all so much for joining us for episode 13 of the av geeks assemble podcast we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did and please drop us a dm on instagram or join the facebook group if you want to give us any feedback uh so thank you again to this week's guest peter uh we look forward to seeing your work on instagram uh, through the bbmf media channels and of course we do look forward to the book and everything else as well now so um, um I'm not going to lie, not, I'm not personally a massive reader, but something like that, sign me up. Um, yeah, yeah, There's so. more pictures yeah. than there is words, don't worry. It's, it's oh, is it? Oh, so pictures, yeah. that's even better for me. Oh, that's great. <laughs> but We've yeah, got some um, inside the Lancaster pictures as well, uh, and inside the Dakota pictures, so it's pretty cool. Oh, awesome. Looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, thank you, Tim and Matt, as well. Thank you guys for joining. Uh, everyone else, stay safe out there, and we will see you at the fence.